Welcome back to Double Dutch. I'm your host, Joav Rosendahl, a current senior. I'm super excited to continue to showcase unique experiences from different people across the collegiate community. Make sure to stay tuned to hear great advice and stories from students, alums, and faculty. Welcome to this week's episode of Double Dutch. Today, we are interviewing and speaking with Miss Wheeler. This is her first year, so I'm going to let her introduce herself. And why don't you start us off with your background, why you came to Collegiate, and stuff like that. Sure. So I'm Miss Wheeler. I'm Kate Wheeler. So I've been a social worker for about six years. And before that, I worked in schools doing other things, and I've always wanted to be back in a school. So... I was looking to work in a school last year, and Collegiate is my favorite of the places that I interviewed at. I think, I don't know if you guys always agree with this, but it seemed like the faculty and staff here had really genuine care for all of the students in a way that was really attractive to me. So, Yeah, no, I agree. The relationship between students and faculty is kind of like one of Collegiate's hallmarks. Has there been anything that you've kind of encountered this your first year here that like you didn't really expect or that was kind of like surprising to you? I actually think I was surprised by how willing you guys were to like talk and process about feelings and to be open and genuine. I am really impressed with the degree of care and closeness that you guys have among yourselves in the student body. So I guess maybe just the genuine closeness that there is in the community here. And in the last 12, 12 months, I guess, what has been... What have you seen be the biggest challenge for students here? I don't know about one biggest challenge, but... Or like, I guess, like, just like the, the biggest issue that like students have been struggling with, especially coming off two years of COVID and it kind of like, I mean, I know, I mean, when I interviewed Dr. Gray uh, last year, she kind of said that what she was interested in seeing was the effect that COVID would have on the students after it's kind of like dissipating because students felt the need to kind of like keep it together for everybody else around them while COVID was happening. But now it's kind of like ending and people are like kind of like letting loose again, but also mental health issues are kind of like coming along with that. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think I felt a little bit like a broken record this year uh, talking about the depressive symptoms that you guys I think are experiencing. I really mean that though. I think you guys have a lot of grief to deal with. I think that the isolation that people experienced in the past couple of years has like triggered a lot of depression and that makes it harder to do school and it makes it harder to do everything. And you've sort of been encouraged to keep going as if nothing has changed. So I think hoping with those new symptoms and those new psychological states while trying to do school seems like the biggest challenge to me. And have you seen that kind of like affect a lot of students? For sure. Yeah. yeah. So being here, I mean, you know, I think most people know that collegiate is very competitive and challenging school as that's kind of why we come here. At this level of intensity, it is obviously always expected that there is going to be a significant amount of pressure on the students. And I mean, there should be some levels of stress. But when do you think that our community has to kind of like draw a line between balancing academic prowess and mental health? I think that this school would not have to worry at all about going too far in the direction of too little pressure. So I think anywhere that pressure could be taken off would be good for you guys. Yeah, you guys suffer a lot. And I think you're pretty vocal about that a lot of the time and changes aren't always implemented to decrease your suffering. If there were really like a moratorium on talking about college in school, and I mean like no teachers talking about it, 
can't really control what the students do. But if that weren't something that was like part of the conversation, I think that would probably be really beneficial and maybe change the way you guys thought and felt about school. And I think that the school and the teachers could get really serious about reducing your workload. I don't think having so many assignments actually necessarily like increases the quality of your education. And I think that there could be some like really rigid rules about the number of assignments you guys had that would reduce your stress level. So where do you think, I guess, all that kind of like, cause you said that you have heard students be very vocal about that. So where do you think the, all, all that discussion kind of gets lost from, I guess, students talking to you and then to teachers and to the administration? Because there, there hasn't been that much change. I know last year and the year before that during COVID, there were a lot of new initiatives, I guess, being brought on to help mental health and they were decreasing workload and they were, and they did move classes yeah. to be later during COVID. But as soon as it ended, it kind of like snapped back into what it was before. Sure. So where do you think all that communication is getting lost? I think that there needs to be an acknowledgement that some of those accommodations are still relevant now. So I think there might be an impression among adults sometimes that that stuff isn't needed. And I think it still is. But where is the communication getting lost? I mean, I think everybody is aware of what students are saying. And I think the teachers agree with you guys. So maybe what isn't happening is space isn't being made to make a plan or make changes. Like the teachers also have certain requirements for each department, like a certain number of major assignments that they have to get from you guys in a certain period of time. Rules about how they do grading. So some of that would have to start to change in order for you to feel less pressure. And I don't think that's happening. Yeah. I don't know where that would come from, but a plan would have to be made so that teachers wouldn't feel pressure to put pressure on you. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because I know, I mean, especially especially being seniors, that our teachers are giving us less assignments because we're not really, let's be honest, not really doing that much schoolwork right now. So but they, that's, they, there's no pressure on them in that sense. We're leaving on Friday. There's no pressure. But I do know that when we were freshmen, sophomores, juniors, they, they, they're they aware. Like, they know it's very stressful. They know it causes them these mental health issues. And But it's not up to them, really. Right. I've learned. I think during COVID, it was different because they were able to give us less work. And it was online. They were able to be more relaxed. Earlier, you kind of mentioned what was your biggest surprise at Collegiate. It was kind of like the relationships between, between faculty and students. And those are very important, and especially while also being in your position and trying to like better students' lives and help them out. So how do you create strong relationships, especially being new and not knowing that many people? How do you come in? I, I mean, as a senior working with you for peer leadership and all these things, I know we've created relationships, but for people who aren't in group dynamics and who don't walk by your office and come in to grab candy or something, and you don't have these conversations with, how do you create those relationships for students uh, are able to trust and rely on you. Yeah. I mean, I think having situations like group dynamics and like peer leadership where there's a way that students have to get to know me helps a lot, actually, because yeah. then if they're hanging out with their friends somewhere else and I say, hi, I seem I don't seem as frightening. People feel like maybe I'm approachable. So that's actually an answer to another question that you had later. I wish that there were way more of those opportunities where students kind of had to come in here so that they could maybe be less scared of me. <laughs> I think also I just, I ask a lot of questions. I think I'm really genuinely interested in the answers that you guys give. I really enjoy talking with you guys a lot. And I think that that genuine interest can come across and help people feel comfortable. 
So I think not taking oneself too seriously is also an important part of building trust with students, because if we're not acknowledging that you guys can see when we mess up, it's like an insult to your intelligence. So we show you that we take you seriously by allowing you to joke with us. Yeah, show that you guys are also human. You guys are also people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As being a peer leader, I kind of see, I mean, I work with the sophomores and I know some of my friends work with the freshmen and we kind of see that those younger students, they lost valuable social time. And we kind of, we say that like, oh, the sophomores are still freshmen on the sports teams. We say the same things. And the freshmen are still in like eighth grade because they kind of lost that like great bonding during the pandemic. And it's, it almost seems like there's a disparity between the upperclassmen and underclassmen bigger than there usually is because they just don't have that same awareness of high school, I guess, that we did pre-pandemic. So how do you think those underclassmen are going to be able to adapt to what high school is supposed to look like and are going to be able to like actually involve themselves more? I mean, I think they're just going to need a lot more social time. And that's really more on the school than it is on them. Actually, probably some of the most important growth that happens for people during high school is social growth. It's a really difficult time and the social connections are what make it bearable. Do you say that to their faces that they... The sophomores seem like freshmen. I mean, sometimes we have that conversation that like, and and they're aware of it, which is which was the interesting part. Like, yeah, we know, like we haven't mm. like they even say like their freshman year was like they were online the entire time. Yeah, like they're not aware. I mean, it's like kind of the stupid stuff, like the social hierarchy of high school, like underclass and upperclass. But it's also like valuable things about time management and like learning how to kind of like go throughout high school while whilst having fun and while also doing well academically, not being stressed. Yeah. I mean, my perspective on this, I'm sure, is a diff- is different than a lot of people's, but I think that if they get to catch up on that social time, the other stuff will come a little more naturally. So to me, I see the sophomores prioritizing like bonding with each other, prioritizing developing relationships, and maybe their schoolwork is falling by the wayside sometimes, and that probably needs to be okay. Yeah, that needs to be normalized. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Maybe relationship building with their teachers, too, would be helpful in terms of Yeah, especially because that was very hard to do through Zoom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So two years after COVID started, life has, has, I mean, it seems like, and I mean, it feels like that life's kind of gone back to normal. But we're kind of now, like we're starting to see, as we mentioned earlier and talked about at the beginning of this, the effects that it's had on students' mental health and on kids as young adults. So as we are, or as you and Dr. Mandel, I mean, he's leaving next, right? I guess right now, yeah. as, you, as you are kind of evaluating collegiate mental health's blueprint for the future, what changes like are you going to plan on, on, on uh, implementing and what changes are you going to maintain? And are there any new initiatives that the school is going to be taking on? Yeah, well, the loss of Dr. Mandel is going to be a big deal. I'm pretty sad and upset about it. And I do think that having a smaller counseling staff is going to make it more difficult to make some good changes in the mental health services that you guys can receive. But certainly I'm just hoping for mental health support to be more obviously accessible to all the students in the school. So whatever can be done to make it clear that you can come in here and talk, I would love for there to be more ways for underclassmen to be in here. So Yeah, because group dynamics and peer leadership is only really for juniors and seniors, right? Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So I think I'll be talking with Mr. Prince about ways to make that happen, like maybe some kind of class that's similar for those guys to get in here too. But the smaller staff is going to be a huge deal. So, Do you think there's going to be anything on – I mean, you mentioned earlier about 
changing workload or I know a big thing because I did the mental health survey the past two years. Yeah. And I know a big thing was kind of like that people said it could be um, improved was reducing the amount of classes you're actually allowed to take. Yeah. Because there are students taking seven or eight classes and a lot of people feel like they should only be allowed to take a certain amount of classes. Do I think that that's going to yeah. be part of the changes that are made? I have heard people go back and forth about that a lot. And the consensus from other teachers in the school is that that would be very difficult to make happen. Why is that though? Because, I mean, coming from students, we kind of see like the, the, the data is kind of there. Like we've done these surveys. And I know I think earlier this year we did one from the head of the upper school, from the um, administration. So why is like that all this data is kind of there and it, it's it's ignored. I mean, it's it's lost. I mean, I think somebody would have to make an executive decision that other people might be displeased with to make that happen. But having only five classes, you know, limits people's ability to explore subjects that are less like marketable, I guess. And it limits people's ability to really delve into the things that they're interested in rather than taking a wide range of subjects. So I think there would be pushback if that were to happen. Somebody would have to be okay with making that change. So aside from like reducing class uh, class requirements, how do you think that we're okay with those pushbacks, that we're kind of okay with students lowering the academics and more and focusing more on their mental health? How do we... How, how is that, I guess, vocalized to the administration, to faculty and staff? Like, why is there so much pushback against that? I think people associate difficulty with rigor or they think of those as being the same thing so like when i say difficulty i mean like suffering <laughs> like actually not having enough time to do something so that it becomes like almost impossible that's not the same as rigor that's not the same as yeah. a class teaching you that's not the same as thinking in new ways and i don't think the level of difficulty is necessary but it's kind of a point of pride here and it's kind of part of what people associate with the quality of education at collegiate. So I think people would have to be open to thinking about learning in a different way. I mean, I think it's just prioritizing mental health over academic prowess. How, how do we get people to do that? I mean, I, th I think that's what it is. I think that's the kind of jump that people need to make because collegiate's reputation isn't going to change. That's a fact. It's been, it's been known as a top school. It's been known as rigor. And we see other schools around us kind of decreasing their workload, mm -hmm. focusing more on mental health. And their college placements are still the same. Kids are still as smart. So I guess, how do you think that we make that jump? The grownups have to do it. The adults have to do it. So they would make more space in your schedule, just free space, or maybe like meeting with a counselor is part of the wellness requirement or the PE requirement. Maybe there's two counselors, maybe there's three counselors yeah. so that you guys can have an individualized relationship with a person who can provide you with that kind of support. Like to make that happen, the administration would just have to literally create the space and hire the people. So I guess if you had no limitations in the school with mental, I guess, because you, you think there are limitations. So if you had none, what like programs would you design besides adding in more counselors? I mean, I really think for people your age, the most important thing in terms of mental well-being is just having a lot of quality relationships and especially quality relationships with people older than you that you can look to for guidance. So really what I would most want is for there to be a bigger mental health department, for there to be more counselors that are available for you all to talk to and more time for you all to do that talking. 
you all spend so much of your day like receiving information and having people give you things and you need some space to kind of like give our information yep yeah to have that received by adults yeah and I, I but i know a lot that with with having more like school psychologists there is like a big issue with confidentiality and how that's kind of like handled because it's, it's different how it's handled in schools versus outside of school so how sure. do you i guess how do you clarify that to students and like what what is i guess the rule of confidentiality in terms of in schools sure so the basic rule is if you say something that makes me concerned for your safety your emotional safety or your physical safety or someone else's emotional or physical safety then i would need to report that to somebody higher up than me and maybe take some action to make a change in that situation the emotional safety is the one that I think gets complicated. So if somebody tells me they're suicidal, I have to report that. Yeah. If somebody tells me that there's repeated bullying happening, I also have to report that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Tell me more. No. What's I'm, unclear to you about the confidentiality? I think it's more about the emotional side because I understand the physical side. I think everyone mm -hmm. else does. It's if you're if you think you are a harm to yourself or somebody else. Mm-hmm. But how come it's if you are coming to talk to somebody about other people, say bullying, for example? Sure. Isn't that kind of confidential in that sense? Because it's not about physical harm being done. Yes, it is emotional harm. Sure. But like, wh why, why is that? Like, I guess, why does that get lost in the confidentiality? I guess because it's a little more difficult to define and it means different things to different people. So do you think it's kind of like there, there should be, I guess, a conversation had against like, creating these clear guidelines yeah. of what is confidential, what is not. I think and that I think would be including great. students on that too. Like, do you think, but then I guess, do you think the administration will be open to that? I mean, when it comes to confidentiality, I think there are like actual laws even outside of the school yeah, that no, govern yeah, some more, of that. More, so yeah. there's not always a lot of flexibility. Actually, I mean, that's probably something that I could do on my own. So if yeah. you have recommendations about how to make that clearer, I would totally want to hear them. And yeah, sure. I mean, maybe we can also get like a kind of like a student group together to kind of talk about that. I know that it's really important to Mr. Prince that students feel like their mental health is being cared for and that they have the resources they need to receive support. So what do you think about next year and the coming years? They'd have to probably put some more money and time yeah. in this direction. So when they're going back and looking at the schedule, they'd have to be doing that with... And focus on it and kind of like... And, and, and just bring it more into picture, even more than it is now, I think. For sure. It also probably would be a good idea to have like maybe a focus group of mental health professionals to offer some suggestions about how that would happen. Yeah, that'd be good. Because yes, there are the resources, there are you, there are Dr. Mandel, but students don't feel comfortable. Hmm. So I think that would be the priority because in the surveys that we've done in the past, it was like two out of like 180 something people felt that they could talk to an adult at school. Wow. So I personally think the major issue is that nobody feels comfortable talking. I don't know if that's due to confidentiality or if that's due to people not thinking the school takes mental health seriously. Hmm. Um, so I think that needs to be found. And I think there has to be a lot of discussion about that. So on a lighter note, to kind of like wrap this up, um, what is your favorite Netflix show that you're kind of watching right now that you recommend people watching? Well, I'm not watching it right now, but when I had COVID over break, I watched all three seasons twice. So Sex Education on Netflix. Very good show. Yeah, it's an excellent show. Watch out for the opening scene, but very good show. <laughs> I agree. All right. Thank you so much for talking. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Double Dutch. We'll see you guys next time.